0: Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. We're going to spend the next 30 minutes just talking through a topic that, and whether you're a church person or you're not a church person, uh, that I think a lot of us are gonna are gonna gonna get something from. We're gonna admit we struggle with, and by the end I want to teach you why it's it's something you should you should overcome. We, we called this series we're in, uh, scandal scoundrels and saviors. And so next week we're gonna get to the scoundrels part. I'm gonna introduce you to a group of people. Uh, they were called the shepherds. I wanna show you uh, why it was so significant that that they were invited first to the manger, like before there was anybody else that was there the shepherds were invited uh, the 22nd which is in two weeks we only have one service at 10 o'clock so if you come at nine you're gonna you're gonna make sure you come an hour later or you can just be here for an hour if you come at 10 30 you want to come at 10 or you're gonna miss all of worship that's that's a, that's an important part of the of what happens here on sunday and so at 10 o'clock we're gonna talk about a man named herod last week i introduced you to a man named zachariah so i'm gonna introduce you to different characters in the in the bible story uh, and we're kind of in the scandals part today there's there's scandals there's some scandalous things and here's why i love this part all of us love to be involved in a good scandal we love to read about scandals we love gossip we love, like, it's just, it's just the way that we're wired. Wired. We loved when uh, reading about the college scandal, the admission scandal, like, all of us were, were kind of, a lot of us were into it. Maybe some of you are too mature for that. That's fine. Uh, a few weeks ago, Justin Timberlake, you remember him, NSYNC, uh, and that band, some I mean, of you don't know what NSYNC is. NSYNC was a popular boy band that a lot of us have regrets on because we, we dyed our hair like NSYNC and bye-bye-bye and all that stuff. And so, uh, but Justin Timberlake went on to, to be, a, you know, a, a, a singular star where he stepped out like Beyonce, and, and he's married to Jessica Biel, and he was caught holding hands uh, with, with somebody that wasn't his wife uh, because there's cameras. And if the whole thing's a misunderstanding, it's not a big deal. All of our wives would be okay with it. He just drank too much, you know, case closed, right? And so, like, totally we're reading about that. We're, we're reading, we, we love scandals, right? All through my life, Bill Clinton, the scandal of Bill Clinton, Bill Cosby, Princess Diana, Britney Spears when she shaved her head, Robert Kraft went to a massage parlor last year. He's not, you know, it was not what it seems. And, and down in Florida, like we love a good scandal, right? All of us, it's already sucking us. And some of you are like, wait, Justin Timberlake is still alive? I need to find out, you know. <laughs> What, what is it? And so you're like on there. Let me give you kind of let me give you kind of some of some of, something I experienced a few weeks ago. So I hear I hear uh, stuff from time to time. I get involved in situations. I'm a pastor. Sometimes I feel like I'm Jerry Springer. And so like and you're just dealing with stuff. You're like I didn't know this was a real thing, but it's a real thing. And so uh, a few weeks ago, a guy came to me, nice young man, and uh, he said, Hey, I want to talk to you. I'm new to the church. I'm new to my faith. You know all this stuff. And so he, I brought him in. Not like unlike conversation I had before. And we talked, and he started telling me about his life and what God was doing in his life and, you know, how he met this girl. And, you know, they, they want they to serve Jesus together, and he wanted some insight on how that looks because it was his first Christian relationship, and, you know, he wanted to know what he should be doing, what he shouldn't be doing. And so we took him to the Scripture showed him, like, you're not married, so you should not be doing the hoo-hoo until you get married. If you don't know what the hoo-hoo is, I don't know how old people are in here. You shouldn't be doing that until you're married. You took him through Scripture, and then you should do lots of it after you're married. And so God is not against, God's against woo-hoo he is he's for it he's for marriage and so uh and and i don't even if you don't know what is, ask your parents later and so uh and so he's for marriage and so we talked through this and i encouraged him and i'm like dude be a godly man the world needs godly men and a few weeks ago he came back to me and he was like i gotta talk to you again pastor and you ever like you have you have those conversations like "Uh uh-oh like what'd you do but i'm kind of excited to hear right so what'd you do? He comes back and he's like, "Hey man, you know that girl I've, I've, I've told you about that I love, that I want to marry, that I want to do stuff right with? We haven't slept together, all these things. You know, a few we've been dating for a few months here. And it's last week she informed me uh, she's pregnant. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what'd you do? And he's like, I didn't do." anything like i don't i don't i wasn't me i swear like we've not done that and we we've been pure and we've been following god and she 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 must have got pregnant before i met her and then i said well whose baby is it and she said to me she said it's nobody's it's god's and some of you are leaning really far into this story this didn't really happen to me and if it did i would not be sharing it with you come on we're christians we're not supposed to gossip for the, very, I mean, for the very first time, some of you are like, huh? <laughs> but here's the cool thing. It did happen in the Bible. Like I just introduced you to a big part of the Christmas story. And so what I want to do, I want to drop you into a scandal in, in the Bible that maybe you've never heard before. I'm going to take you back into the book of Luke chapter 1, verse number 20. I can't, can't believe you guys thought I'd be sharing that with you. <laughs> I would have got sued, all sorts of stuff like that. Tell me how it ends, Pastor, right? Let's read together, okay? F- first service was like, not, you guys, are, you guys need to get Jesus in this service, right? Like they, I could tell it was like, tell me, right? And so, for Luke 1 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so last week we talked about Elizabeth. She's pregnant with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the son of Zechariah. Remember, the Gabriel came and said, you're going to get pregnant. You're an old man. It's been a long time. You're past 30, 40 years, past when you could have a child. Now's the time. So this is her. Zechariah's six months in. He's not talking. His wife's getting bigger. He can't explain the situation to anybody else because he can't talk, right? God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town called Galilee. So when Gabriel shows up, stuff goes down, right? He comes to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was, was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You ever been there with God? What do you want, God? Like, what? I know when you show up and this feeling happens, I know you're about to ask her to do something I don't really want to do. Like, this, did you, Gabriel showed up, right? Elizabeth explained to me, Gabriel showed up because Zachariah, you know, used hand signals, you know, angel, got me, right? Pregnant, right? So Gabriel shows up. Watch what the Bible, Bible says. Mary was greatly troubled. Do not be afraid, he says. Mary, you have found favor with God. Verse number 31 says, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus, Right? He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. Verse 34 says, how is this going to happen? Since I'm a virgin. I've never, I've never, never done that, right? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. So this is, this, is, this is Luke chapter 1. Here's what's going to happen. Jesus, the promised Messiah, is going to come through you. You're, most people think she was a teenage girl because teenagers at that time, they, they, they 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, they would be betrothed to somebody to get married. Most of the time, you didn't wait till you were 20, 25 years old, you got married young. She's a teenage girl. So some of you in this room, you're 13, 14, 15 years old, minding her own business, planning out her wedding day, dreaming about Joseph. You know, I don't know what Joseph's last name is, but she's writing it in cursive after her name, Mary, you know, whatever. And she's writing it out, minding her own business, right? Looking at the bridal magazines, singing I Love," like listening. To In sync, all that stuff. And Gabriel shows up and says, You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have to explain this to Joseph. Good luck. What do I tell him? The Holy Spirit overshadowed me and I got pregnant. I mean, try that excuse when you go home today. What happened? I went to church. I came back. I'm pregnant. God moved in my life. Here's the cool thing about it we know the other side of the story. Because some of you are like, well, how did Joseph react? Because here's the thing. She's engaged to be married. Here's what that that means. Uh, At some point, Joseph and Joseph's dad came to Mary and Mary's dad and said, hey, my son wants to marry your daughter. Let's work out this arrangement if she's okay with it. And then what would happen is he would go away for about a year, uh, and he would get himself prepared. It sounds like a plan for, for us. Like some of you have daughters. I would love to, to arrange this with your daughters and my sons if we could do this, where basically they would, they would know they were going to get married. And then I would say, hey, for a year, I'm going to put them in intense, you know, husband training. I'm going to teach him how, how to talk. I'm going to teach him responsibilities. I'm going to make sure he pays bills on time. I'm going to make sure he can be the man of the house. Sounds like something we should implement again. It takes out all the other stuff. Let's get rid of Tinder, right? Let's, let's, let's introduce this back into the equation. And then they can do lots of that, what they do on Tinder after they get married, make you lots of grandbabies, right? And so like this. And so they were, they would come and he would say, okay. And he would go back and get his house prepared and, you know, get it, get, get it ready for Mary. The dad would oftentimes come around and inspect it. Joseph's dad. And he would say, it's not good enough yet it's not good enough yet keep building you need to lay you know you need to finish that room you can't have unfinished projects no daddy you know daddy list or whatever husband list like you won't finish it all and then finally he would come look at it and say you're ready and joseph like a young lad would ride on a horse you know you ever see the, the movies <laughs> hey mary i'm ready right <laughs> i don't know if that happens but that's what i think happens and so and they would get married and here's the thing about it. It was binding. So like today, if you get, get engaged to somebody and they go crazy, you're like, right? Better now than after the I do's. But, but, but now, in that time, if you got engaged to somebody, it was legally binding. So it was a big deal. So all of a sudden, she's pregnant. It's not his, right? And he's stuck with this woman who's going to come to him and say, I'm pregnant with Jesus, the Son of God the one who's been promised for thousands of years, he's in my belly. I have no idea how this happened besides Gabriel showed up. Who's Gabriel? Let's talk about Gabriel. (laughs) Gabriel's an angel. Right? I'm pregnant. So Joseph is in a a precarious situation. He's in a situation. We know that because the Bible says in Matthew 1, it kind of shows you his point of view. And the Bible says in Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And if you don't know about the Bible, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all similar stories about Jesus oftentimes give you different perspective. And so Matthew says that this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So the, the stories line up. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So he wasn't married to her yet. He was engaged to her, but it was still binding. And he was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, right? People to say, look at, that, look at that You know, floozy right there. The Bible says that in his mind, he was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to bow out. He wasn't cool with this, as most of you wouldn't be either, right? And the Bible says this, but after he had considered this, Again, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And just for real quick, what do you mean don't be afraid? I'm going to bring her up to my dad, and she's got a belly going, and my mom, and I'm going to have an awkward conversation with my mom and dad and tell them I didn't do it? Was it me? Who was it? We don't know. It was God. Gabriel showed up. Who's Gabriel? We don't know. He's an angel, right? Mom's crying. Dad's mad. Then I got to go see Mary's mom and dad. What'd you do, son? Pulls out his shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's mom's crying. You're walking around town. Your, your future wife is pregnant. It's not yours. Everybody's whispering. But I mean, we don't give this part of the story enough thought. She gets pregnant. We don't even think about the 10 months. And the reason we don't think about it is because in the Bible, but some of you are pregnant right now. You're in week 32, and you are thinking about the 10 months of being pregnant. That is a long time to walk around your city and for people to be gossiping about you, to be talking about you. This is what Scripture says as we go back in. to the the story. The Bible says, Joseph, do not be afraid because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And so this, this, this change happens where uh, he decides, okay, I'm not going to listen to what other people are going to say about me. Instead, I'm going to listen and trust Jesus. This might have been the greatest single act of trust in a relationship that this world has ever known. I mean, I'm going to trust that this is, this is who you say it is. And then on top of it, I want you to think about it. They're going to name their baby Jesus. Like, some of us name our babies normal names, like Steve or George or Bob or something like that. And some of us get downright cocky. We're like, we're going to name him Son or Star. We're like, that's, you're pretty cocky naming your kid Star, right? I mean, how many people came up to them and were like, you're going to name your baby Jesus? Jesus means God with us, like God's a gift to us. You're naming your kid God's gift? Like, who do you think you are? You're a... You're a carpenter? She's a teenage girl from nowhere. And you have the audacity to tell us that your baby's name is Jesus, which means God with us. And here's what I want to talk to you about today, because here's what they were going to struggle with. They were going to struggle with this this decision in their life. And the decision was, uh, are we going to do what God says to do? Because if we do what God says to do, it's going to cost us a lot of criticism. Or are we not going to listen to God? at the expense and at the, at the desire to not be criticized by any, anyone. In other words, here's what they're going to struggle with. They're going to struggle with people pleasing. And I want to talk to you about this today because it's significant. We all struggle with it. We all struggle with, with at the crossroads where God says do this, but you know if I do this, everybody else is going to mock me. Everybody else is going to say something about me. People are going to point fingers at me. What do you mean God told you? Who's God? Have you ever seen God? Well, no, I haven't. But I know God said this. How do you know God said this? Well, I don't even, did he talk to you? Well, no, he didn't talk to me. But the spirit of God has, has, you know, done something in my soul. And I know that I'm supposed to give this money. And I know I'm supposed to make this decision. And I know that I'm supposed to quit this job and take on a different career. What do you mean you're supposed to quit that job? You've went to school for your entire life, and this is the identity of who you are, and you paid all this money, you have all this debt, you need to work. No, no, God, no, the Spirit of God is telling me to do this. Some of you, in a relationship that you've been with somebody for years upon years upon years, and the Holy Spirit has said, this is going nowhere. You know it's going nowhere. You just don't want to be by yourself. And everybody knows you've been with that person, and you're completely comfortable. And the Spirit of God is saying, no, I have something better. Somebody that actually wants to marry you is out there, but they can't get to you because Mr. Right or Mr. Wrong or Mrs. Wrong is in the way. And you're going to go, I'm going to break up with them. People are going to go, you're crazy. You have all this history with them, and you have all these anniversaries, and yeah, but we never got married. Well, that's not a big deal. Marriage is so old-fashioned. Committing to that person, right, and not sleeping with anybody else— Ugh, lame. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna come to a crossroads. Str- here, here's, here's the thing. Here's how you know you struggle with being a people pleaser. I'm just going to give you something, I, a test I take for myself because I struggle with it. Everybody wants everybody to like them. All of us. Nobody wants to make a decision that's going to cause people to criticize them. Nobody wants to do something that's going to cause people to gossip. Nobody wants to be in that that boat, so let me just kind of give you four things that I answer to myself that tell me if I'm struggling with being a people pleaser because I do all the time. Here they are. One, uh, do you tend to take most criticism personally? If every time somebody criticizes you and you take it personal, it's because you need the applause of people. You're a people pleaser. Do you feel an extraordinary fear of rejection? So let me, case in point, when you go somewhere in public, do you not want anybody to look at you because they look at you, they might judge you? So for me, for years, it was like, if I go to a wedding, I'm not dancing. Why am I not dancing? I can dance, right? I can do this. I can certainly dance like most of you, right? But I don't want to dance because I don't want other people to make fun of me. So I have an ultimate fear of rejection because I'm a people pleaser. Do you have a hard time, another one, expressing your true feelings? So if somebody says something to you, you hate it? Like, you like the shirt. You're like, no, that's the ugliest shirt in the world. And God has sent you to them to tell them that so they never wear it again. <laughs> but instead, you're afraid. And what do you say? I love your shirt. Right? You have a hard time expressing your true feelings. And another one, do you have a hard time? Here, here's an important one for me. You have a hard time saying no to people. You never say no. You say no in your head. You talk bad about them when they leave. You can't believe they asked you, but to them, like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. We struggle with being, this is what they're going to struggle with for the rest of their life, for the rest, if he goes through with this. I don't think we give this enough, enough, enough thought. If he goes through with this. And he stays with Mary, and they have a baby, and they raise this Jesus in the middle of nowhere, knowing the promises of Scripture, but not even seeing them fulfilled for 33 years. And here's the truth. We don't even know where Joseph's at at the end of his life. Most people think he passed away. So for the rest of his life, because of the the decision that God has calling him to make, is he going to be okay with disappointing people? Is he going to be okay with disappointing people? And so what I want to do is I want to walk you through why this is so, so important as a follower of, of Christ, just with four quick, quick thoughts. And they're kind of thoughts, kind of points, things you should write down and remember. If you want to be a leader for God, if you want to do anything significant for God's kingdom, you need to remember these, these four things. And I've gone over them many times myself, thoughts to help you wrestle through people pleasing. One, the likelihood of you missing God's call is heavily attached to your desire to be liked by everyone. The, the likeliness of you missing, God has a, I want to I just make sure, I, God has something significant and personal he wants to do with your life. It's, it's, just, it's just the truth. I'm not one of those ones that says it's his big dream where, you know, you're going to stand on a big stage and just sometimes his dream is for you to just be the best janitor at the school that, that, that the school has ever had. Sometimes it's for you, some of you are, are stay-at-home moms, sometimes it's for you to be, to raise the next kid that's going to change the world. So you're, just a stay, you're not just a stay-at-home mom. Sometimes you're just a teacher to, to five-year-olds. You're like, I'm just a kindergarten teacher. And sometimes you realize it's significant. Like, not all of us are going to stand on a stage in front of people and, and perform. And most of us are never going to sing. But there is something significant and specific that God has put us on this earth right now in history to accomplish for his kingdom. And that call he has on your life, if you don't figure out that sometimes that call that he has is going to cause other people not to like you, eventually you're going to miss out on, on that call. The quickest way for you to miss out on what God wants to do is your desire for everyone to be okay with it, to clap for you, say, that, that's good, because that doesn't often happen. That's what we're talking about with Joseph and Mary. If they wanted their parents and their family and his friends and everybody in their wedding party to be cool with what they were doing, they shouldn't have done it because there's no way. I guarantee you they lost friends. I guarantee you one of his best friends was like, dude, you're a joke. Like you are not a self-respecting man. And one of, one of, one of Mary's girlfriends was like, really? You will not go with that? Like the Holy Spirit impregnated you? Like really, I guarantee their parents were like, you know, we we just we don't we don't want to tell our friends about this. We have a baby coming. We want to make an announcement. We're gonna say I guarantee, like we're not gonna talk about this. Mary came over in the ten months that she was pregnant. I guarantee it was awkward for everybody. She's getting bigger, and she continues to hold to this story as the months pass on. I think they're finally are they are they eventually gonna tell us what really happened? They had a oops, uh oh, uh oh. We can work through that they're going to hold true that this, this is the son of God, the baby, the Messiah that we've been waiting for, that's been promised for thousands of years, is coming through Mary and Joseph, this couple from nowhere. we really going to hold on to that? And I think you need to realize that if you want to be liked by everyone, eventually there's a high likelihood that you're going to miss the call of God. In fact, I'm one of those ones that wants to know the likelihood of stuff. So like, when I, when I asked my wife out, I wanted to know, I wanted to have a high likelihood that she was going to say yes, right? And so I wanted, to, I wanted to calculate stuff. Are you going to say yes? There's a 20% chance. So you're telling me there's a chance, right? Like I want to know. I want to know. When, it, when, it's, when there's weather, anybody else like me, like you want to know. Like you ask Alexa, go on AccuWeather, something like that. You ask your weather app, what's, what's the weather? It, it might snow. Well, what's the percentage, what is the likelihood of it snow? What is the likelihood of me being struck by lightning? What is the likelihood if you're, you don't like flying? What is the likelihood that this is going to crash and I'm going to die? What is the like? I want to know the likelihood of stuff. I want to know the likelihood. Right now, Kate Winslet is in Phoenix. So I want to know the likelihood that I get to see something cool, right? Like doing this. Like what's the likelihood? If I go here, will, will they be taping at this point? Will I get on HBO as an extra? What is the likelihood? So I'm online looking it up. Anybody else? Like, what's the likelihood of this happening? I'm telling you, the likelihood of you missing out on God's call in your life is closely connected to you not figuring out that you're not supposed to be a people pleaser. That from time to time, you're going to disappoint somebody. In fact, I wanted to say this. You are always going to be disappointing someone. You are always. The only way you don't disappoint somebody is do nothing. In fact, uh, I, I had this epiphany a few months ago as I was doing what I was doing. Because sometimes I'm like, I'm just tired of being the bad guy all the time. You ever been there? No matter what you do, somebody doesn't like you. You can say, jump. This person doesn't like you. You can say, sit. that then they like you. You can't figure it out. And then you sit. And then this person doesn't like you. Same with your kids. We're going to go out to eat. Okay. Okay, we're going to go to McDonald's. Uh. The next day, we're going to go out to eat. Yay. Hey, we're not going to go to McDonald's. Uh. You have three of them. Where you want to go? One person says McDonald's. The day before, they all wanted to go. One person says McDonald's. This person says Wawa. <laughs> you go to Wawa. Some ugh, I hate Wawa. Right? You're always gonna disappoint someone. You know that Christmas is coming. You're not going. You're not going. You're not going to make everybody happy all the time. You're always gonna disappoint somebody. So I had this epiphany. It's what I would call the the hero and the he- heel paradigm shift. I did a whole leadership talk on it, and uh, the the epiphany was. You are always a hero and a villain at the exact same time. At the exact same time. And I study the life of Christ because if I say, who's a hero? Jesus is a hero. But I realize in the life of Jesus, there is example after example after example where he's a hero to somebody, and then in the exact same situation, he's disappointing somebody. So for instance, there's a story of Jesus. He heals this man on the Sabbath. If you're not a church person, that's the religious day. And so our, our, our day when we come to church is Sunday. But Jewish people, they celebrated on Saturday. And so Saturday was a day with all sorts of rules, all sorts of stipulations, regulations. And one of them was you're not allowed to do nice stuff on the day you go to church. (laughs) sounds like America church, right? You know what you can't do when you go to church? Don't you smile. Don't look like like you're having fun. Right? Let's not do anything significant. You just go and keep it quiet in church. Then you leave. Then you can smile when you go to lunch. So they had all these rules, right? Quiet, like you can't do this. And so Jesus comes on the scene and people actually need God. This guy has a shriveled hand. Jesus heals his shriveled hand. He loves Jesus. He had a messed up hand. Now he has a a whole hand. He's celebrating. You know who gets mad? The Bible says the religious leaders. They're like, how could you on the Sabbath, why did not you wait till Sunday to do that? right? Why didn't you do that on Monday? And so in the same story, you have somebody celebrating Jesus and somebody mad at Jesus. It happens in his family. His mom comes with some of his, his half brothers. And so Mary and Joseph had other kids. Uh, and she comes at some point and she says, hey, Jesus, we want to see you. He's busy doing ministry. He's healing. He's only doing it for three years and he's going down on the cross. And so every moment of every day is significant. And he's busy healing people and taking care of people's needs. And his mom comes, he says, Jesus, we want to talk to you. And in that situation, he says, listen, this is my family. Could you, could you imagine marrying that situation? I, oughta, I brought you into this world, kind of. I'll bring it. And he says, listen, I can't come tend to your needs and meet you right now because I'm taking care of these people. Hero, heal. In every situation of your life, you're going to be disappointing some, somebody. And you need to understand that oftentimes when it comes to you and God, pleasing God oftentimes means disappointing other people because they decided to go through with this and stay married. I guarantee you they disappointed a whole lot of people that were close to them and they probably carried that weight around with them for the rest of their life. In fact, I love this Bible verse. You should write this down if you struggle with being a people pleaser, but you also want to follow God because they're often different. Watch what he says. Uh, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God or, I, or am I trying to please He says with a question mark. If I were still trying to please people, what can he not be? A servant of Christ. You can't do both. You're either going to follow and serve Christ or you're going to follow and serve man. Man. But you can't often do both. Sometimes when you serve Christ, you disappoint. Man, and I can promise you, if you haven't done that in your life, if somebody hasn't disappointed with you, if a parent isn't disappointed with the decisions that you're making, if somebody that's close to you doesn't understand it, you're probably not serving Christ right now. Because at some point, somebody who's on the outside is going to go, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It doesn't make sense what you're doing. It doesn't make sense that you tithe. It doesn't make sense that you serve. It doesn't make sense that you get up early on Sunday morning. It doesn't make sense that you serve a God that you've never physically seen. It doesn't make sense. Let me give, give you three more. One of the hardest steps, then, to becoming who God has called you to be is figuring out that you don't have to be all that someone else wants you to be. Listen, they don't own you. You're like, yeah, my parents made you. No, no, no. Your parents were entrusted with you. God made you. Do you, you want me to say that again? Your parents were entrusted with you, whether they know that or not, but you are God's creation. The Bible says before the foundations of the world, God was planning out your life. That his thoughts for you are, are as much as the, the, the sand that is on the shore. That, that, that's, that's how much he's been thinking of you. That he has a plan to prosper you and not harm you. He has a good future for your life. And at some point, you're going to need to realize, and it's a hard step, that, that I am, if I'm going to be all that God wants me to be, I don't have to be all that somebody else wants me to be. They might have all these plans and all these dreams and all these situations that they expected for me, but the Bible says in Proverbs 19, many are the plans in a person's heart. Or maybe it says, many are the plans in a parent's heart. Or many are the plans in a friend's heart. Or many are the plans in a spouse's heart for your life. But it is the Lord's purpose that does what? That prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, man's approval in your life should not often be requested, required, or relevant because the dream that God has given you, they're not a part of. They weren't there. You don't need them to say, this doesn't make sense, why are you doing this? All you need to know is, I heard from God, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna, I'm, let me, I heard a pastor one time, he said, let me wrap up the entire Christian faith. Are you ready for it? So I'm like, I don't know how to follow God. You listen to God, you do what he says. The time between when you hear from God and you don't do what God has told you to do, that's called disaster. Because he don't change. It's not like he's like, okay, you waited. You can outweigh God. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and and the end, right? He is in charge of time in in your life. And so you listen to God, you hear from God, and then you quickly do what he says. Let me just give you two more more thoughts on on the people pleasing thing. Number three is this, and I want this one to be freeing for you. Criticism then and compliments are okay to help you grow, but they are what I will call junk food for your soul then. They're okay. Here's the thing. Here's why we are so afraid of not being a people pleaser. Uh, Because we are undernourished with the word of God, and so we overvalue what everybody else says about us. And it's biased. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like most of what people say to you they say to you, not because they really believe it about you, but they say it because they want you to say something nice back to them. So remember patty cake? It's a like patty cake game. You're so great. Thank you. So are you. Thank you. Yeah, you yelled at your kids last night, and you cursed, and you lost your mind, and you threw something across the room. You're good. Thank you. And we, we need we have this. I need your 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 what? I need your good words in my, in my life. I need you to build me up. I need you to tell me I'm doing good. This is why some of us we put stuff on Facebook and then we go back over and over and over again to see if somebody liked it, who liked it, who commented, who saw it, who's looking. I need I need the praise of people, uh, and then then also we look at criticism. We say I need criticism i need people to 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 do constructive criticism and and, you know tell me about these things and the problem with both of these things criticism and and praise or criticism and compliments is they often come from the same person did you ever realize that like the person who compliments you the most like that think about it scan over your life with me and i'll scan over my 10 years of being a pastor the people who have said the most nice things about me in the last 10 years are also the same people who have said some of the most hurtful things on the next season it's the weird they're like we love you we love you we love you we freaking hate you we love your preaching your preaching is awful right we think that we hate this about you and you're like what happened to you what'd you take and i started realizing in my life that i i overvalue both of those from people and the reason is is i find myself often under undernourished on the truth and the power and the presence and the word of god And I think this this is a very real step in the life of Mary and Joseph because for the rest of their life, they would have heard a lot of criticism from people. And I think they would have consistently needed to go back to the Word of God. This baby that I have, that nobody else knows who he is, this child, he's just Jesus. He's just a common person to everybody else. But to me, I know he's the Son of God. I know how he was made. I know what he's come to do. I don't even know how it's all going to play out. And I think they would go back often to the words of Gabriel, the dreams that they had, and they would ignore the words of other people because they would have been really harsh. They would have been really judgmental. They would have been really condescending. And at some point in your life as a Christian, you need to realize that most of those words, criticism, and compliments are mainly, mostly just junk food to your soul. That if you you live for people's approval, you die from their rejection. And if you need people always tell you're doing a good job, those same people will destroy you and you won't know how, know how to live. And so at some point, you need, to, you need to understand the significance of the word of God. That's why Jesus said, and it's such a powerful verse in Matthew 4, because he was criticized. He was mocked. People thought he was crazy. And in Matthew chapter 4, he says, it is written, when he's tested, by the way, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not gonna live on the, the words of other people, but I'm gonna live on the truth that comes from the mouth of God like this is, this is what scripture says and maybe you don't know this uh, maybe you've been criticized a lot maybe you've been called a mistake maybe you've been called a liar maybe you've been called arrogant maybe you've been called you know unworthy maybe you whatever names you've been called and you take that in and it nourishes your soul but it actually is garbage for you because it's not feeding you it's actually destroying you and the word of God is what comes and gives gives life Let me just give you a couple things that the Word of God says. The Word of God says of you after you come to Christ that you're a child of God. You've been adopted and chosen by God. The Word of God says you're a friend of Jesus. What type of friend? A friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. The Word of God says as a child of God that you are a fellow heir with Christ. That everything he earned you get. What did he earn? He earned eternal life. He earned forgiveness of sins. He earned grace. He earned adoption into the family. You get that through Christ. The word of God says you're accepted by Christ. The word of God says you're a saint. Me, a saint? I thought that's for the perfect people. No, no, that's for the saved people. The word of God says I've been set free in Christ. The word of God says that I am God's workmanship created to produce good works before the foundations of the world. The word of God says that I have boldness and confidence. I don't care what people have said to me you're shy you're not a leader you can't do this no no the word of God says that I have boldness and confidence in Jesus Christ the word of God says I'm a citizen of heaven the word of God says the peace of God guards my heart and mind and the word of God says that God supplies all of my needs and that's just the tip of the iceberg of what the word of God says to me see what what you take from people when you take criticism and compliments is what I would call MSG if you know what Chinese food is you know they put MSG in it what what it makes it awesome right once my wife, I was like, I love takeout Chinese. She's like, it's full of MSG. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it must mean awesome. And she's like, no, it's bad for you. So I coined a phrase a couple years ago when I was preaching a similar sermon because I was thinking of MSG. And when you, when you live your life off people's compliments and you die from their criticism, it's what I would call mostly shallow garbage. So the next time somebody speaks to you, if you don't line it up with God's word, if it doesn't line up with God's word, you this, this is just garbage. I'm going to pass this right through my spiritual system. I'm not going to let it sit in my soul a- a- at all. And the last thing you need to understand, this one's important as we close out. If you're not willing to get criticized right now in your life, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to get criticized right now for following God... You're not ready to be used by God. You ever hear the statement, if you don't like the heat? Yeah, I'll practice that. I'm like, I don't like the heat. I'll stay out of the kitchen. I'll clean, right? If you you don't like to get criticized, and what I mean is like, like, not like, oh, I love this, but if you're not allowing yourself to go into something where you know somebody is going to criticize you, you're not ready to be used by God. Every person in scripture who was used by God was criticized. I mean, think about it we have all sorts of stories that we teach our kids and they're cool and they're powerful but oftentimes we do a, di- a, a disjustice or injustice to our kids because we don't teach them the whole story like we teach our kids Noah's Ark and it's cute he puts two two by two in there could you imagine that by the way two two snakes and alligators come up on that thing like you teach your kids the, the PG version of the story right but here's the story you should be teaching your kids God told Noah to build an ark or a boat in the middle of a desert where there was no water and there had been no rain. And he did not know when it was going to rain. He just knew he was supposed to build an ark. Could you imagine? It took hundreds of years. Could you imagine how many times somebody walked by and was like, what are you doing, idiot? That is the dumbest. I'm building an ark. What's an ark? It's for water. There is no water. How many times do you think someone made fun of him? And meanwhile, me and you struggle with going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to start being generous this Christmas season. I'm going to start putting God first in my finances. I'm going to start serving. Somebody might ask me at work, why you get up for church early? I don't I just do. That's so dumb. I know. Meanwhile, Noah is building an ark, right? He don't even know what's going to happen. Think about it. Moses, he gets commanded to lead the, the Israelites to the promised land. We know that. Prince of Egypt. The entire time, what do they do? They criticize him. Is the best you could do? It's manna from heaven that we get for free every day. Stuff stinks. That water you got from the rock for us from God, so we didn't die, uh, you know, of dehydration. It was lukewarm at best. Moses, take us to the Promised Land where God said He's going to win it. Why you take us to this place with giants? kind of leader we should go back and be led by pharaoh he whipped us and chained us and put us in prison but at least we knew who he was right we don't even know you moses nehemiah builds a wall they mock him paul preaches shares his life with people for the kingdom of God and they mock his appearance and they mock the way that he preaches and say he's not good. Jesus comes to die on the cross for sinners like you and me and the people that are watching him hang on the cross. They mock him and they criticize him and they question him and they spit on him and the Bible says Jesus hangs there. Why? Because his confidence is not in people, it's in his heavenly father. And at some point you're going to need to realize if you want to do anything significant from God that criticism is just going to be part of it. So here's what I know. I know there's somebody in this place today at at one of our five campuses, and maybe multiple people, that God has called you to do something, and you have been terrified to do it because you're afraid of what other people are going to say. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, this: it says, without faith. It doesn't say, uh, until you go to church every week, then you'll please God. It doesn't say, you know, sitting in a room somewhere, that's going to please God. It says, without faith. It is impossible to please God. What's faith? Faith is not something that you just think, oh, this is great, I have faith. Faith is something you have the tenacity to go out and do. Faith faith actually has hands and feet. Without faith, without without the stepping out in generosity, without the stepping out in a career change, without the breaking up of the person you shouldn't be with. And maybe it's not one of those examples. Maybe it's as simple as you just saying, you know what, i got to switch my hours around so that I can give more time to my family or spend more time at church worshiping and serving God. Or maybe it's just as simple as I'm going to start putting my, my, my money where, where, where my faith is and I'm going to tithe and put God first. Or, or man, God's been leading me. It's Christmas season and God has been leading me. There's a very specific family that I need to give to, right? that I know I'm supposed to give to, but if I give to them, my kids are going to criticize me because I can't get them those AirPod Pros that they need this year. And they're going to say "Some, You're not a good mom, and I know if I step out or dad and do this for these other people, then I'm going to have Somebody's going to criticize me. If you're not ready to be criticized, you're not ready to be used. But can I tell you something else? There is nothing like being used by God. There is nothing like stepping out in faith and watching God do what only he could do. Some of your faith is very stagnant, and it's dormant, and it's quiet, and it's boring, and you're like, does this even make sense? And is God even real? And God is real. He's waiting for you to step up. He's waiting for you to do what you're supposed to do so that he can reveal his power and his glory in in your life. So would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads, and would you just close your eyes with me all over this house just for a few moments? And I want to just pray over those situations. Because I've been there many times. I'm still there. There's so many times in my life where, it, man, it, sometimes it just gets overwhelming as you're, as you're doing things for God. And it just feels like, man, you're, you can't please everyone. And you can't, you can't do what you're supposed to do. And somebody's always mad at you. And somebody's always disappointed by you. And it's just overwhelming feeling. Of really fear of people and the Bible says in Proverbs that fear of man is a snare to us it means we can either a be led around by people or you can be led around by God but don't miss it you're being led by somebody right now and when you give your life to people they lead you all over the place there's no contentment there's no joy there's, you can't do enough the cool thing is when you give your life to Christ there's a there's a perfect peace when you put your, your life in his hands, there's, there's a joy. The Bible says an unspeakable joy. There's a love and a mercy that you experience from God when you give him your life and you say, God, you lead me. I'm not worried about what everybody else is saying about me. Whatever you're calling to me, I'm going to do. It's as simple as listening to God and doing what he, could, he says to do. And so here's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe the spirit of God. is. Some of you have already been speaking to, to you, and some of you right now, he's speaking very loudly to him. You can feel it. He's speaking to your soul right now. This may may not be verbal. Maybe it is. Maybe in your head you can actually hear the audible voice of God. But for many of us, I believe it's this still soft voice. It's this compelling from the Holy Spirit. It's this knowing. I can't explain that, but it's this, this knowing. I know what I'm supposed to do. And the next step is the courage to do it. The courage to have the conversation the courage to step out in faith the courage to do what God has called me to do the willingness to be criticized the willingness to not please people so that you can please God I can promise you what the longer that you don't do it the harder that it gets the longer that you don't say yes the longer that you aren't willing to stand against what people say their beliefs their criticism their desires the harder it gets you live for their approval. You begin to die from their rejection. But here's the thing. You're not rejected. You're loved. You're called. You're forgiven. You're set free. You're a child of God. The Bible says that God has a good plan for you, a plan to prosper and not harm you, that all of your days were already set out, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith, that greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world, that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, that you have God with you. Some of you in this place, as I'm, as I'm saying that, you're like, how do you, how do you have God with you? How do, What does that even look like? And here's what I found out. A lot of people, they have this, this belief in God, uh, but it's a religious belief in God. When I say all those Bible verses, you it's know, hard for you to understand what that means. You're like, well, what does that mean? Do you do certain things for God and then He takes you? Like, he, He's okay with you. So you, you go to church enough and you go to confirmation class or whatever that is and you you say the right things, and you get baptized or sprinkled, and you bring your kids to church a certain amount of times, and then you and God, you got this kind of give and take relationship where then he does what you just said he's going to do for you because you've done so much for him. And some people do look at God like that, but man, it's a, it's a taxing way to have a relationship with God. It's like what many of you have experienced with your, your earthly parents, where you don't really know if they love you, they never really accepted you, you feel the weight in that in your life where you've never felt like you've measured up and you live in this kind of this tug of war where you're constantly pulling and wanting from them but you're, you're worried that you're not giving them enough back but that is not a relationship with God that's not what it looks like see the Bible when, when they said name him Jesus that, that word meant God with us so for years people had been been trying in all religions to get to God but Christmas is really the truth that God doesn't ask us to get to him, that he comes to us. That Jesus stepped from perfection into brokenness. That he would, he would live on this earth. He was perfect, never sinned, fully God and fully man. And he experienced all of the human emotions that we all experience, loss and hurt uh, and rejection. He had friends walk out. He went through all of it so that he could overcome it for us so that it wouldn't overcome us when he was 33 years old uh, they sentenced him to death and they put him on a cross simply because they hated what he represented they hated that he said that he was God they hated that he was destroying religion and they put him on a cross and they crucified him and it wasn't a death unlike many other deaths of that day they would put thieves on a cross they would torture them they would put nails through their hands and through their ankles and they would beat them and whip them and, put, and they, just, they would torture them thousands of people have died that way and that's not the only thing that makes him significant, because when he was dying, the Bible says that he was dying for you and me in our place. He was dying the death that we should have died. He was alone. He was abandoned. He was rejected. He was criticized. He was mocked. He was ashamed. Many of you can relate to that because that's how you feel right now they took his dead body off of a cross and they placed him in a tomb they rolled a stone in front of it they sealed it with the roman seal and they stationed a bunch of bad dudes in front of it to make sure that nobody would come and take his body and claim that he was risen from the dead they watched it with their life their life was on the line if they lost the body they would die and all that could not keep him the bible says on the third day he rose in power just like he said he would do and so he came and he died surrender and sacrifice and he rose in power and the bible says it's through him that we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life and here's the thing the promise is not for the good people the promise is not for the perfect people the promise is not for the people who got their act together the promise is for me and you the lost people the people with shame the Bible says if anyone would call on the name of that Lord, that in that moment they would be saved. Their sins will be forgiven as far as the East is from the West. If you've never been in geography or you can't figure that out, that means that He forgets them. And He's a good God, and He'll receive you just as you are right now. Just as you are. Come to Jesus. If you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you need a Savior. That Jesus is your Savior. The Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll be set free. So here's the thing. Christmas, there's all sorts of stuff we celebrate. One of them is gifts. And Jesus is actually a gift from God. And there's two, there's two steps in a gift. Somebody sacrifices, and somebody pays for it, and somebody hands it to the person. But the one who's receiving it has to grab it, has to take it. And so you can come and you can hear it all you want. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Jesus wants a good plan for you. But you can sit there with your arms crossed in a position that says, I don't want it, and walk out. You can know the truth but never receive the truth. Or you can step into the light you can receive the truth of God you can invite Jesus to be the Lord of everything that you are you can be free in the name of Jesus right now but you need to receive it and so here's what we do nobody's looking around everybody got their own stuff God's doing his own work in each one of our lives that's the neat thing about church you can sit in a room full of people and the Spirit of God can very specifically clear everybody else and speak right to you and we are all in different spots The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. So there's no shame in this moment. There's no condemnation. There is simply a mindset of humility. If you humble yourself before God, he will receive you. So you know who you are. You know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know what you deserve. Would you hear me I'm telling you there's the grace of God there's forgiveness of God if your heart's still beating God still has a good plan for your life He wants to use you He's been thinking about you long before you were thinking about Him He is the author and the perfecter of your entire life even the bad things in your life God wants to use for good so the gift is given right here the gift of, of God through Jesus Christ is given to us somebody in this place needs to receive it and how we receive it in this place Because I want you to remember this day Because nobody's looking around But I'm going to ask you if that's you And if you need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ There is a universal signal That every young kid gives to their parents And the signal is They put their hands up to their parents And when they put their hands up No words need to be exchanged Because they do it before they can even speak And that signal is Dad, mom, hold me so there's a universal signal that we have used for 10 years at Journey Church, a signal of, of humility, a signal of that I need God. And that signal is when I ask you, I just want you to shoot your hand straight up towards heaven. And when you do that, that is you saying today is going to be the day that I want Jesus to come into my life. So there's somebody at every campus just like me standing on the front of a stage just like this. There's people at all of our campuses that are specifically here on this Sunday that God knew you were going to be here and he wanted to reach you and change you and save you and set you free. And today is your day. You need to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of your sins, freedom in Jesus' name. If that's you all over this house and you would say, that's me. If that's you in Montgomeryville, Limerick, Plymouth, Meeting, Royersford, even online you can respond by just letting Piper know, hey, that's me. I need to respond right now. All over our campuses right now. If that's you in faith, in boldness and in courage I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life would you just shoot your hand straight up in the air right there I love that right there brother is there anybody else there's a hand here hand here hand here yes hand here yes anybody else anybody else hey pastor that's me I love this I love this hey hey let's try again to clap again that's too that's too golf clappy come on let's rejoice let's rejoice all over this place is there anybody else say hey pastor Steve that's me that's me at our other campuses right now I'm just gonna wait a few more seconds we're gonna stay right here and we're going to let people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ there's freedom and there's mercy and there's hope my father is here I want to respond to my heavenly father Jesus come into my life and set me free come on let's begin to pray as people continue to respond Jesus thank you for this day thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do thank you that your war your word never returns void that one is proclaimed that you do what only you can do there's nothing significant about anybody who ever stands on this stage outside of your presence and your grace and your mercy. There are no perfect people. There are only saved people. And Lord, I'm thankful, Father, that my friends in this room, I don't even know them, but I know you know them. I know you love them. I know you care for them. I know you created them. And I know you brought them to this moment right here in time. And you are changing them forever. The Bible says as they receive you, they become a brand new creation in Jesus' name. That you are changing them from the inside out. Lord, that they're being born again, that the things that have tortured them and riddled them since the beginning of their life, their bitterness, their anger, their their resentment, the words that have been spoken over their life, that in Jesus' name they're healed, in Jesus' name they're whole, in Jesus' name they're a brand new person. And Jesus, thank you for all that you're going to continue to do in their life. Thank you, Lord, as we celebrate with heaven that there's many people in this place that you're calling them to a next step. You're calling them to sacrifice. You're calling them to serve. You're calling them to leave something. You're calling them to start something. I'm not sure what it is, Lord, but, Lord, the Bible says without faith that it's impossible to see you, please you. So, Lord, we're going to step out, Lord, in a, in a faithful way. And, Lord, many people, because of their willingness to listen to you and do what they say, Lord, they're going to see you work in mighty, mighty ways, Lord, for your glory. Lord, to build your kingdom through their life. Lord, thank you for all that you've done here today. Thank you for what you continue to do. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We're grateful for your presence, the ability we have to worship you, these buildings that you've given us to to meet with you. Jesus, continue to move. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Church, one more time, let's shout amen together. Come on, let's clap one more time.